0: Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Beth Reisenweber, Vice President for Administration and Finance at Midwestern State University in North Texas.
1: Welcome, Beth. Hey, thank you, Megan. Great to be here.
0: Well, we are finally coming to the end of 2020, which I think everyone is excited about. But Beth, if you could go back to this time last year and teach yourself one thing, what would that thing be?
1: Well, you're right. This year has really challenged our ability to adapt to change, hasn't it? Communication has become even more important. And one thing that I would learn, if it were this time last year, is how to effectively use the technology of virtual meeting software to Mm. conduct an engaging and productive meeting. And I would make sure that my team all had audio and video on their computer so that they could attend these meetings too.
0: Oh that's such a good that's such a good one.
1: <laughs> uh, it was like having the shoemakers children I'm over information technology, and my team didn't have the necessary tools to do v- virtual meetings. It was just crazy
0: <laughs> oh goodness, well, as somebody that works from home and I always have and I've always had a microphone, I've always had like a nice camera I'm like, what's the problem, people but I've talked to plenty of people who do not, so that is. That is a good one. Mm -hmm. I've not heard that one before. So that's a really good one. Well, in the last couple of months alone, Beth, what would you say is one noticeable way that you've had to change the way that you lead as a CBO?
1: Yes, one noticeable way certainly is I give my staff more space, recognizing the stress and strain they've been working and living under with this pandemic. It's been a long haul. So I lead with empathy first. And then I go into the business discussion or other purpose for the meeting. I want to check in. Are you okay? How is it going? You know, because this has been quite the year.
0: Now, has that changed anything else in a, you know, outside of the, just kind of the basic check-ins to say, hey, how are you doing? Which I think you would typically get more in an office setting. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to be more intentional about that virtually. But it, has that has that had to impact the way that, you lead in any additional
1: ways that you can think of? Oh, sure. When I communicate out with the public or with students, we're also leading with a positive message, a supportive message, uh, just to really have that empathy, that compassion that's so needed because it's really a tough time and everyone's experiencing it differently. And it's not just the pandemic, right? It's George Floyd in the end of May and the, Pain and suffering of our African American neighbors that happened after that. It's the uproar in watching the news and depending on which news channel you watched, what the story was regarding our wonderful and important presidential election. There was so many things going on. So that's certainly it. And also then for my team, we've actually been coming to campus the whole time because we've been seen as essential employees. And I have 150 people and they've all been on campus. And so that's been difficult too, because helping them feel safe, especially our custodial team members who are on campus and actually cleaning at an elevated level to ward off the pandemic from coming on campus. I mean, it's just been a really tricky situation to manage and to lead, but that's where leading with empathy or compassion or kindness is really important.
0: Do you think that's something you'll continue post-COVID, Beth? Like now that you're used to, I'm sure, you know, it's not like you were probably a cold, harsh communicator in the past, but you're, you know, now you're being a little bit more intentional about Mm -hmm. the empathy piece. Like, do you think that's something you'll continue in the future? Is that, is that a keeper from COVID?
1: Oh, it's definitely a keeper from COVID. Um, In the past, you know, because as a chief business officer, working in finance, working in higher ed, there's so much going on. We have so many deadlines so many compliance reports, so many tasks to do, responsibilities that I have in the past, I'll jump right in. Let's get going. Let's talk about work. How are you doing on this project? How are you doing that project? But no, I think it's just, let's pause for just a few moments. How's it going? How are things? You know, What do I need to know? And so I I will continue that. I will, because it's about enjoying the work, engaging folks, uh, making this a great experience because we spend a lot of our waking hours together at work. And so we want to have it a, a pleasant and supportive experience.
0: Well, you had referenced um, some of the racial some of the racial tensions around the murder of George Floyd. Um, And that kind of leads into my next question about diversity. So how do you think that current CBOs can best prepare or develop the next generation of higher education leadership, which is a critical issue in higher ed, and particularly when you consider that growing desire to diversify the field?
1: Yes. Well, I'm going to speak generally first, and then I'll get into the diversification piece. But generally, you know, for folks that are interested in taking on this responsibility as chief business officer. Um, I think CBOs who are currently in the role really need to let their teams know that they genuinely care about their professional growth and actively work with them, right? You need to engage with them. Engage with your teams. Find out how they want to grow, develop, what en- experiences energize them at work, What experiences would they like to have that they haven't had? You know, talk to them. Have that communication. Keep it ongoing, too, not just at the annual review time if you can. And always follow up with your team members. Give them those opportunities that you talked about. Encourage them. And actually help motivate them because some folks, "Eh, I don't know. I don't want to be pushed out of my comfort zone. Well, help them see that that's okay and actually that's a good way to grow is to be pushed out of that comfort zone. So in terms of diversity, as a CBO, we really need, and actually everybody, human resources too, anybody who's a hiring manager, we need to be intentional and support those underserved populations. We need to recognize and put in check any inherent bias we may have We need to do the work to understand what those biases are because we don't always know. And in fact, a lot of times we don't know. It's like, what? There's a lot of learning that needs to start. And it starts by us doing the work, reading, watching YouTube videos, okay? So that's part of our role and need in supporting that intentionality. But we also need to advocate for opportunity for those members of our community that we aren't seeing in the CBO role? How do we develop the pipeline for our Latinx people? How about our African-American, our, I mean, just name the different diversity streams. How can we support those folks? Well, we need to do it. It's really important work. We're not seeing the numbers reflective of the demographics in our community. We aren't seeing the numbers in terms of the demographics of our students. Our the diversity in the student body is substantially ahead of faculty and staff. So we need to start and start now. There's lots of ways to do it. And I just um it's important work. And so I think folks need to do it. And um I know I'm I have a lot of work. I've been doing it for a long time, but it's a It's a continuum of learning and I have a ways to go. You never stop, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we all do. Yeah. Well, let's talk now, not only to our CBO listeners, but anybody who might be listening who is considering a CBO role, speaking of the pipeline for their next career move. Beth, what would you say are the top three skills or attributes that are most critical for CBOs in today's higher ed landscape? And especially given what's what you've gone through with mm-hmm. the pandemic and uh, some of the maybe some of the new skills you'd had, you've had to tap into or, you know, existing skills you've had to amplify.
1: Well, the top three skills or attributes that I think are most crucial to a chief business officer today and moving forward, actually, and ones that are always under development, even if you are a chief business officer, the first one is really to have a great toolbox. So develop your breadth of experience and skills, right? Take opportunities to learn and grow. This is going to allow you to serve better And more broadly, as a member of the cabinet and in supporting the president. So the breadth will help you be creative and innovative. So how can we do things differently, better, right? You have questions, how can we solve the problem in a way we haven't considered before? So that toolbox is going to allow you to do the work. And so it's the same thing as you grow your team, grow yourself right seek opportunities take coursework, um opportunities um, attend the nakubo annual meeting attend webinars listen to cbo speaks read you know there's so many opportunities but develop that toolbox the second one is team building higher education is based on a model of collaboration right so as a chief business officer You will be part of a team on many levels, beginning with the cabinet. You will need to learn how to identify and gather a team. You'll need to learn how to lead a team. And not only within the university, but outside through building relationships, business partnerships with bankers, auditors, financial advisors, architects, other chief business officers. You want to be part of that growing the network but how do you do that by bringing your authentic self to every meeting discussion that compassion actually builds relationships builds trust right help some people they will then help you or help people and you know move it pay it forward right it's just um it's a wonderful opportunity and team building is really critical i think the third attribute or skill, sort of a combo, is really to be a successful chief business officer, you need to be a good partner in supporting your president and advancing the institution in which you work. The attributes to that good partner are flexibility, urgency, and intelligence. So when I talk about flexibility, you can't be rigid, right? You have to be a good listener. You have to be a good thinker. Right, You have to think outside the box. You have to be willing to take risks. Urgency is now. Action, right? We can't talk about it for a year or two. We learned that in COVID. It's, guess what, guys? We're it right now. What are we going to do right now? Who's going to do what? Right now, right? And just go for it. It's pretty exciting. And then intelligence is that wisdom as you build your toolbox, you develop that level of wisdom, intelligence, thought, right? Um, being part of something bigger than yourself. So those are the three that I would um, lift up for CBOs and future CBOs. So important.
0: Thank you for sharing those, Beth. Well, in every higher education institution, the role of CBO is unique, as you know. So tell us what makes your role in North Texas? At Midwestern State University different?
1: Well, it's really great. I've been here a little bit over a year and just love Midwestern State University, love Texas. It's very different than where I was up north. Um, and so I'm just enjoying it. It's unique though, because at my current university, I've actually been able to develop promotional activities to grow enrollment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year at this time, at a um, cabinet retreat, I was asked to actually come up with promotions. My MBA is in marketing. And so I love art. I love advertisement. I love anything to do with sales. And so I'm more of a creative type in terms of that, Mm. and not just a numbers person. And so I then developed, you know, in collaboration, checking in with the VP of enrollment, checking in with the academy with the provost student affairs but i came up with us uh, three ideas for growing enrollment for summer 2020 brought that to the cabinet a um, couple of them were approved ultimately one made sense given the COVID environment in the summer and so we implemented that and it actually resulted in an increase in enrollment of over 25 percent so we're pretty wow. excited and it's sort of it's just shows the breadth of the role of the chief business officer today, especially at Midwestern State University.
0: Well, that is fascinating and absolutely unique. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, now on to the most fun question of the show that every all the listeners love, but I'm not sure that the interviewees love it. So thinking back on your career, Beth, tell us what you'd consider to be your most fabulous failure and what you learned from it. And really, we're just looking here for, you know, hindsight being 2020, 20, what would you have done a little bit differently, you know, given the experience that you have now?
1: No, that's fine. I actually would have had to think about putting together fabulous and failure. Exactly. <laughs> so the story I have an the example, it wasn't too long ago, but I was a new chief business officer and I had facilities in my portfolio. I went to this new university and there was a facilities project that was moving forward to move the counseling and wellness center into new space and out of a dilapidated old house. The plans and designs were done. And the current facility, that old house, was ready for demolition. The interior design and finishes, however, seemed too corporate to me. And I didn't think they were conducive to wellness and healing. So, like any good collaborative person, sort of, um, I worked with the director of the counseling and wellness center and said, This is what I see. What do you think? And so she agreed. We did some research, we brought in her um Professionals, she had quite a few actual counselors, you know, all highly qualified. We sat down, number of meetings. We looked at designs, we, you know, alternates, and then we chose something that we thought would bring a look and feel more conducive to the healing work we wanted to happen in that counseling and wellness center. New colors, soft fabrics, gentle lighting, right? We went forward, we opened that new facility, we had a wonderful open house. We were so excited, we thought it was spectacular. The students loved it. They just grew to use it so much more than they used to, right? They'd hang out there, they'd go and grab their carb bar and some herb tea and visit, and it was a safe space. The failure, however, came that I disregarded branding and consistency requirements that we were trying to have on the campus. I wasn't aware of them, and I just sort of blew them out of the water with this new design that I thought was so good. So, well, the director and I and the students love it. The problem was I wasn't really checking in across campus like I should have. And in fact, I was meeting with my boss, the president at the time, and he told me that they were going to put together a new design committee who would, you know, in the future, check in on projects and make sure everything was in order in terms of branding and consistency and that I wasn't going to be part of that committee anymore. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was done. And so that's, I mean, it was fabulous, but it was a failure.
0: That is a fabulous failure, <laughs> Beth. that is probably the best fabulous failure story I think I've ever heard on this podcast. Yeah, so thank so you for
1: don't go that. rogue. You got to check in <laughs> and keep checking in. So I learned and I won't do that again.
0: <laughs> Famous last words, yeah. don't go rogue. <laughs> well, Beth, thank you so, so much for sharing just a couple of your insights and experience with our listeners today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're
1: very welcome. Thank you.
0: You can find out more about Beth and today's episode by visiting the professional development section, then click podcasts of nakubo.org. Make sure you also subscribe to CBO Speaks and Apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Beth and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks.